This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, good day, good evening to all you murderinos. This is my favorite murder. I am your guest host, Scotty Landis from the Bananas Podcast. Bananas Podcast, I won't get into it too much, but it's the exact opposite of what you love about my favorite murder. We do not deal with death. We do not deal with dread or the darkness that creeps around every corner. We leave that to the pod gods themselves, Karen and Georgia, the ultimate ultimate true crime comedian specialist. I was a day one murderino. I know many of you were as well. Uh, after listening to the first episode, my first two thoughts were, one, this is going to be a huge success. And I texted Karen and in a very Karen-esque fashion, she returned the text with, really? Do you really think so? Yes. Yes, I do. And two, I didn't know that Karen and Georgia knew each other. I knew them both separately. And it was really fun to hear their friendship develop in real time over a shared love of death and dread. I'm very honored to be here. Uh, I'm going to go way back with my stories because I like those early days. There's a time and a place for bands, for comedians, for emerging artists, where they're just doing it for them. It's an innocent time. It's before the big corporate sponsors. It's before all the pressure of the fans and the touring. I like to think of this early era of My Favorite Murder as sort of the garage band for Karen and Georgia. They didn't know there were other people out there who had the same dark interests they did, but boy, were they wrong. You know it, I know it, and now, here on Exactly Right, let's get into my picks for my favorite, my favorite murders. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. You just heard Karen's intro, which is eerie and creepy. Uh, I've always loved her voice. And that is why I decided for my first pick of my favorite, my favorite murder story to be the babysitter murder, a.k.a. the Oakland County child killer from episode three. This one goes way back, way back to January 2016. Like I said in my intro, I am interested in the relationship of the My Favorite Murder ladies, and you can really hear it in this. It was an innocent time. They were naming their episodes puns. How long can you possibly name episodes puns? Our favorite thirder? Fantastic. I love it. But very, very hard to do for 270 plus episodes of a show about death and kids getting killed and people disappearing and poisoning and drowning and fires. Actually, as I'm saying that, they should have stuck to pun titles. So why did I pick this story? Well, it's an early story that I feel encapsulates the thing that you murderinos love most. Dead 
children. Of course, I'm kidding. It's about serial killers. It has KFC in it, oddly. There's a private porn island. It's rich versus poor. You name it. This, to me, is what drew all of us in. We wanted to hear more. And their lighthearted take on something very serious helps all of us. You can also hear Karen and Georgia feeling this greater sense of relief, sharing these things with each other and finding another person who is as fascinated and obsessed with it. It was a dark secret that a lot of us had. And as they're telling this to each other and kind of building each other up, it's the momentum of the storytelling that really drew me in. So this is before Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered. This is before they had corners. This is before Steven, before their meteoric rise. This is simply two very smart, very funny women becoming friends over other people's deaths. And what's better than that, really? To me, a day one murderino, this story is pure MFM. Uh, what's your favorite murder, Karen? My favorite murder this week is... Uh... One that I was so, I've been so excited to talk about because I, this was one of those ones where I went deep Wikipedia one mm -hmm. night alone mm -hmm. and had no, it was too late at night. And often there are not very many friends I have that I can be like, guess what? <laughs> guess, guess what about these children that were murdered in yeah. the late seventies? Yeah. Not until I met you. Yeah. No, we're the only people that won't text back. Are you okay? Are you doing okay? Are you What's really going on? Yeah. Um, so there were these, Mur four kids were murdered in Oakland County, uh, Michigan mm -hmm. in the late seventies. Mm -hmm. And they, this whole case was called the Oakland County child killings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, sounds fucking awesome already. Right. So they found a 12 year old boy kidnapped and raped and smothered. And that was the first one. Wow. Um, and, uh, then like, a week later, uh, these I I didn't write down. I didn't I do know. my super accurate homework. Listen, but if people are coming here for facts, they're in the wrong fucking place. Yeah, and also I, it's all off Wikipedia, so you can get right. it and really really enjoy it for yourself firsthand. Mm. But mm. essentially, all eleven and twelve year old children, and so it goes: a uh, boy, and then a girl. A twelve year old girl was found kidnapped, not raped, right. bathed, fed. And then shot point blank and left in the snow. How was the first kid killed? Uh, uh smothered. Smothered. That, so those aren't the same murderer, probably. Well. Right? They don't, they don't, I, they probably didn't connect them then. Okay. But then the third kid, mm -hmm. who was an 11 year old boy, mm -hmm. uh, who <clears throat> was kidnapped and so he was gone for like, he disappeared and so on say the seventh day or whatever they went on the, the parents went on the news uh -huh. and said please um you know bring him home so we can give him his favorite dinner kentucky fried chicken you know that that yeah. thing they do to personalize yeah. and the next day they found his body don't tell me he had kentucky fried chicken in his belly raped smothered with kentucky what? fried chicken left in his belly no exactly what you didn't want to hear oh my god and he was also washed uh, like the girl oh, was, his okay. nails were trimmed, oh. his, uh, uh, clothes were spotless. They were washed and pressed and fuck? his body was still warm when they found it. <gasps> so that's when they knew something super terrible was happening. Oh my God. And then the last girl, uh, was 11 and she was 
she disappeared, she was kidnapped, and then she was found murdered. So the girls were not sexually interfered with, yeah. and the boys were raped. Yeah. Um, so that was just, that was like a big thing that happened. And they called, they, so after they got all that information, they called him the babysitter killer, which is, it's fucked up and almost sweet to him. Because the way he treated the because kids. Because the way he, well, because of the way he left them, oh. so, which kind of implies the way he treated them was yeah. nice, except for, we all know that's not true right. and imagine, um, because he kept them for a while, which is a lot, but the nightmare part. Alive, alive. Alive. So, yeah. So that's horrifying. So I I feel like when you're alive, there's some chance of escape. Like, there's some hope left. Yes. Well, while it's still happening, for sure. Yeah. But then it's just that thing of, like, uh, it it goes to the total insanity and, and... I don't know. Depravity? I wish I knew the difference. Yes, depravity for Mm -hmm. sure. But, like, when you're really psychotic or whatever, where you're keeping the thing you're going to murder. Like, you know, this is all the plan. And so you're keeping a child like a pet or whatever. It's just beyond. Um, But when they started looking at the suspects that were around Oakland County, Mm -hmm. um, one of the people, and this this is where I went down the hole, one of the people that was a suspect was like a 24 year old rich kid and his name. Uh, shit. I'm not going to find it. Um, dang it. Uh, okay. Christopher Bush. Okay. So his father Mm -hmm. was like either the GM or the vice president, uh, uh, of one of the huge motor companies. Wait, it might've been GM and his father was the vice president of GM or one of those ones. Yeah. Hugely rich. He was always in this big mansion by himself. His parents were always like working or on vacation or whatever. And there was a constant stream of young boys coming in and out of the house. Why? Because he was a child monster. So he was paying kids to come over and whatever. And so he got arrested for, um, sexual assault and child molestation s- several times. Yeah. Like he was a known pedophile. So how the fuck those people stay out? Because he was rich. So his, oh. he, they always bought him out of jail Jesus. and cleared him and whatever mm-hmm. and tried to do stuff. And he, uh, so they went and found him and started looking through his room and looking through all his stuff. And they thought that they found a picture of one of the boys. I think it was supposed to be Tim, the uh-huh. third one. Um, screaming like a drawing of him with his hoodie on. Cause I think they said he was found in a hoodie or something. So it was a picture of him with the hoodie looking like he was in total terror. Oh my God. Uh, but they don't know for sure that yeah. that's who the face was, but that's what he looked like. And so it was like, it was the circumstantial evidence. That's they were, such a small thing to go on though. Yeah. And they were trying to put all that together, but apparently his room was really messy and filled with all kinds of creepy stuff. And then one of the things that they connected because apparently, so that kid, Christopher Bush of, uh, they confiscated eight rolls of film in his room and it was all, uh, kitty porn. Holy shit. And then they find out, and this is the thing that stuff like this is what makes me so fascinated. It piques my interest in it. It's probably the writer in me where it's like, this is such a good story yeah. separate from tragedy or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> they 
figure out that there is um, an island. So I guess there's like an island chain up way north in the peninsula area of Michigan. Uh-huh. And one of them is called North Fox Island. Uh-huh. And it's uh, it was empty, they thought. And they find out that there is a Christian boys camp. Uh-huh. A, a There's a camp like St. Somebody's for uh, wayward boys oh, on North Fox Island. Oh, the oh, only way to get on or off the island is by plane. There's one airstrip down the center of it. Uh-huh. And that when they go to investigate the this island, uh, they find out that they had set up this fake boys camp to get um, boys, uh, like, poor children who would sign up for a place like that. So it was like this free thing, of, like, uh-huh. come. And they were all being used in kitty porn. It was just a kitty porn ring. It was a kitty porn ring. So when they showed up, that's what was happening. Oh. And it was nightmare. I mean, like, that's like a, that's like a Friday the 13th Freddy Krueger nightmare movie that's right the there. Thing for you. Which part of it do you obsess about? The idea that these boys would be there thinking they get to go to camp mm. and what that turns into and the nightmare that it would be on that island. Yeah. And also then when they go back, because someone I was talking to somebody about that and they're like, why wouldn't they say anything? And I was like, I bet you these were the kids. Yeah. They were probably getting kids out of juvie or in situations where they don't have their foster kids or like right. the most underrepresented. And they're already wayward, so no one believes these little shits. Exactly. They get in so much trouble. Right. Or they're paid, I bet, because it turns out the guy that owns the island mm-hmm. is this multimillionaire. Oh, no. That um, when, when they bust it, they find out whatever. They realize that this camp is, there's no church affiliation. There's no affiliation. It's just these, it's a pedophile ring oh my God. that had art also been operating in like the really bad part of Detroit that was well known where like kids on the street, they would get kids and pay them yeah. and get them into that ring and, and pay them to have sex with them. And it was just this whole huge, ugly thing, full on exploitation of poor children. Holy shit. So that gets exposed in the in the babysitter killer investigation. <laughs> That's fun. Which is amazing. And then they they just I just read an article that they found a man. So they had all these people that they suspected. Mm-hmm. Um and they found a man named Ted Lamborghini mm-hmm. who they uh they got on kitty on those kitty porn charges where he was definitely involved in that that there was the, the ring that they busted in the bad part of Detroit. Uh, um, he was a, somehow definitely linked to okay. it or whatever okay. it was. And then, oh, and this was a thing where a prisoner, a detective from Detroit was out in California interviewing someone about something else. Mm-hmm. And then the prisoner was like, I know who your babysitter killer is. Holy shit. And says it's Ted Lamborghini. I knew him from this pedophile ring. We'd all go and pay to fuck kids in Detroit, essentially. Oh, my God. And this guy told me, he basically pointed to a picture and said, doesn't that look like Tim, whoever, the third little boy? Oh, my God. And so that that detective went back and went and they started casing this guy who is now 70 and only leaves his house to go to church and da 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 and like living like this silent old man that no one knows anything about and then they go into his house and they find all this evidence (gasps) and he will not admit that he was the babysitter killer but he first but like all the evidence points to it all the evidence points to that and he and they have him on all the pedophile charges and all the the ring charges and all that does he when did this happen when did he get busted 2005 
Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, oh, Christopher Bush, the rich kid, killed himself mm. in 1978. So they kind of like assumed it was him mm -hmm. because there was all that weird evidence and stuff. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Wow. So he was trapped in this weird world of money. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also really fascinating too, of like you, that's a person that gets to do whatever they want because of money. Same as those people at the North Fox Island. Yeah. So like, what did, did that guy get? Uh... Those people all disappeared. The guy <gasps> that owned the island, they escaped to Europe. Holy shit. Like flew, left the island, flew away and they just money. couldn't find him or extradite him. Money. I love that there was this island that no one thought you just take it over who's gonna fucking know right and build an entire camp there a, a fake church camp yeah yeah it's i mean to me like pedophiles and kitty porn that kind of shit is the darkest yeah i i like serial killers that just kill random people obviously not good yeah but that kind of stuff yeah where you what is wrong with that person where that's 
they're not just doing the wrong thing, but they are, they're loving doing the right. wrong thing. And to, and specifically to helpless people who can't make any decisions about where, you know, you know, control. Think, yeah. You don't think the way you do as an adult when you're a kid, you don't understand what's happening to you. Yeah. It's, so, it's super ugly. And yeah. it's like that ex, it's exploitation. It's just the dark. It's the darkest yeah. to me. It's like the closest thing to real monsters. Those people are real monsters. Definitely. Yeah. Kind of a bummer though, too. <laughs> <laughs> so they're arresting the seventy-year-old, and that's how it's ending. Yeah. Well, they they got him on the other charges, yeah. but they can't get him. They don't have enough uh, hard evidence what? on those murders, but they're positive. They they lined up because he also the murder stopped when he moved to <gasps> Cleveland, and when he moved to Cleveland, he started going to church every day, yeah. and they think that the priest there knows. Like, they think he confessed to yeah. that priest and the priest isn't saying it. Yeah. They, there's all kinds of things like that that are very clear. And it was like the days he w wasn't at work oh, or the yeah. days the children disappeared. All kinds of stuff. Those are always so interesting to me. Or like finding out that someone, you know, had someone clock in for them, even though they, or they have an alibi and it turns out it's total bullshit and here's how they know. And I just, yes. yeah, that's so fascinating. The detective work that he takes to yeah. find that. And also those poor detectives like the way your life gets affected by having to go and investigate these people. I mean, I... nothing justifies the crazy murdering that's happening on the street of most black people today in America. Yeah. I will never, I never ever mean anything is justified in that way. What I mean is that the, when you like as a detective, when you have to visit time and again, people who, are depraved. Mm -hmm. So it's not just crime mm -hmm. or like I'm desperate and on drugs and yeah, so I'm doing this or thing. I got in a fight with my wife and killed her. Yeah. It's the depravity yeah. of like a child rapist murderer. But uh, coming oh. face to face with the actual evil thing, which you and I probably never will unless we search it out, but these detectives knock then wood. knock on wood. <laughs> but these people have to then delve as deep as they can into it and all the facts right and not kill them so that they can be brought to justice yeah. and have some jailhouse justice and just get killed terribly in right. jail but the, that's the ideal but them get them getting even arrested is a small you know can't be a huge percentage of, of them so even getting someone arrested has to be hard so imagine retiring yeah. after never having solved this case oh no that's terrible no and it, and it ruins people's lives yeah. to go investigate this stuff and to discover this, like, Ugh. it's just the seamy underside. Yeah. And I only, I, I surfed it on Wikipedia and was just like, I'm mesmerized by how horrifying it is. Are you watching the new season of Fargo? Oh, yes. This is related. That's not like an, like, anyways, <laughs> children are dead. That's not how I meant. But how this, the cop in it is, went to war and is now seeing all this insane stuff at home. Yes. And the, what it, the toll it must take on you to have gone to war and seen shit that you would never tell anyone about and then come home and do that too as a cop. Yes. Which how is how it happens a lot of the yeah. time. Uh, yeah. I, I just started thinking about the fact that this with the whole France bombing, people talking about going to war again, mm. where I was like, how many, we don't have that many more men left that, uh, that this country hasn't ravaged. Yeah. Who do they think they're going to send to war? Right. Who's going to, who's going to, yeah. The people who are going to, ugh, yeah. It's list are, have already enlisted. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. And then how do you, 
I mean, there are plenty of people who come home and make lives, mm-hmm. but they're probably the people that didn't have super terrible things happen right. to them. But there's, it's still bad. I know there's plenty of people where it's just, it's still a horrific experience. Yeah. I love that TV show so much. It's so amazing. Fargo, this season is fucking out of control. It's, it's so cinematic. It's gorgeous. It's crazy. Um, and I love that Native American. He's a doll. He's <laughs> Kirsten Dunst is, I would just watch a whole thing of her day. Yes. She's so funny in it. Well, and also that it finally came together of her and all those magazines, which I never paid attention to before the stacks of magazines she, everywhere. I didn't think that, that she wants to escape. Is that what it's for? Yes. Okay. Like when she finally sat down with Ted Danson right. and they started talking, these are spoiler alerts. Right. Sorry. Everybody, she's like, but... here's why I have this obsession is because I'm not supposed to fucking be here. Yeah. 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 And, and then, then that that's his childhood home. Yes. That they live in and how fucking depressing to just live the, your whole life in the same house. Yes. And there's some people that are happy with that and yes. want it. Yes. And then if, there's some people who just dream of going to California. I know. It's Why do I think it would be so much easier then than it is now to like break away and do that? Cause you in the seventies, because you can't get traced. You could go and change your fucking identity. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was one part where she was on the bus, and I was like, "Oh, she's out of there. Yep. This, you were not going to see Kristen Dunst anymore." No. Nope. And she's here's the thing: Kristen Dunst is one of the most brilliant actresses of our time, yeah. and no one knows. I am. Su- I was very surprised to like her this much in it. When I saw her, I was like, oh, "Okay, here we go." But. Fuck, she's so good. Well, because I saw her and I thought, oh, this is going to be like a quote-unquote comeback thing. Mm-hmm. But she is... Every person in that cast is brilliant, mm-hmm. and she's equally brilliant. I agree. I'm proud of her. I am, too. Good we're, for her. We're, we're definitely ending it on an up now. And welcome back. I hope you loved that story as much as I did. It's upsetting. I'm sure there are new details. It's five years later. I'm going to Wikipedia it all night, maybe with a piping hot bucket of KFC chicken. Maybe not. Moving on. My second favorite story from my favorite murder, February 2016. Another early one. Number five. Again, they had puns back then. This was five favorite murder. I mean, it's a great title. I can't say that they're wrong, but the reason I picked this one is because it's a classic. Both Karen and Georgia both say this is a true crime classic. Georgia is the one that brings her favorite murder to this episode, and it is the Martha Moxley murder. I just got chills all over. The murder is of a 15-year-old girl. Again, I think this is where my favorite murder made a turn. When you hear these two talking, and maybe it's because both Karen and Georgia were very familiar with this, it's fun. It's gossip. This could be two friends sitting in the shadows of a bar in the corner saying to each other, did you hear about this one? And the other one says, of course I did. This is a classic. It has everything. It has mischief night. I didn't know what mischief night was. I grew up in Baltimore. No idea what mischief night was. Every night was mischief in Baltimore. It has a murder, of course, of an innocent girl. It has a teenager whacking off in a tree. You don't hear about that every day. At least I don't. There's mentions of Kobe Bryant. There's mention of rich versus poor and that dynamic and how the judicial system fails repeatedly to get these murderers. There's also a six iron and semen. So if I haven't enticed you with this intro already, I don't think my favorite murder is for you. And if you haven't gone back, I encourage you all listen to those first 
seven or eight before the wave of popularity hit them and you hear a lot of sofa cushion squeaking you hear a lot of throats uh voices being cleared it's pretty much the perfect time for true murderinos to dive in and revisit what made my favorite murder so special so here it is from five favorite murder five favorite murder episode five february 2016 george's telling of the martha moxley murder all right. Well, mine is my favorite murder this week is one that I'm sure you know about. Um, and it's a classic. And I feel like I just need to get it out of the way because whenever and there's been recent news updates about it. And whenever I see it, whenever I watch a documentary about it, I'm fucking in it. Yeah. Uh, it's the murder of Martha Moxley. Oh, Georgia. You know, I got to tell you. Yeah. Just the name Martha yeah. Moxley. Yeah. Moxley, the word Moxley. It's the best name, and it's the worst story. That's just like, and she's, she's just a fucking kid. Yeah, yeah. So, if those who don't know, don't know anything. Apparently, <laughs> Martha Moxley. Uh, in 1975, she was a 15 year old girl living in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is a fucking Tony town. Love the word Tony. Don't they have, like, their own gates and stuff? Yeah. It's, like, truly, like, crazy rich. Yeah, and it's, like, you live on acres. Yeah. So Martha Moxley's body was found beaten in her yard the night after Halloween. Um, it was... She was beaten. They found a, the half of a golf club there, which is what had been used to beat her. She's, like, a cute, pretty... This doesn't matter. She could be ugly. It's still terrible. But she's, you know... <laughs> Chill as fuck. And so the, the person they thought... She looks like a girl that's in a, a black and white picture in an 80s yearbook. Totally. She's like the per that perfect girl. Like the popular... But like, but she's also on student body. Like, she's popular and smart and she's not mean, you know? Yeah. Girl. Freckles. Totally. Genuine smile. Like, she'd probably end up being like a, like a, like a lawyer for like the ocean, you know? Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. Like a lawyer defending like... Actually getting something good done. OSHA. Is that a thing? OSHA, yes. Is <laughs> but OSHA is is the work the work environment making make sure making sure it's safe for people to work. There. She'd be an she'd be a lawyer for them. Okay. Uh I like the ocean too. It's kinda <laughs> nice. She just has dolphins all around her. Anyhow. She totally has dolphins. Uh so the person who ended up ultimately getting arrested and put in jail for this murder, but not until 2002, was her neighbor who lived across the street, who was her age, named Michael Skakel, who this is so unimportant and such a stupid fact of the, the whole thing. But probably the reason why it's a famous murder is that the Michael Skakel's family was related to um, Senator Robert Kennedy's wife, yeah. Ethel Kennedy. Ethel Skakel Kennedy, who RFK has been in on this podcast as my favorite murder in the past. Anyways, so uh, what's recently happened is that uh, Michael Skakel has been released from jail. Oh, I didn't know that. They filed for a new trial because he was not adequately represented by his defense attorney. Um, Doubt it. The habeas petition was granted. The judgment of conviction is set aside and the matter is referred back. So for retrial, meaning as far as I know, so he got out. And as far as I know, it doesn't look like they're pursuing the case anymore Ooh. because I guess, you know, they had very little. Um, it was all circumstantial evidence. 
not even that wasn't very strong. So it was surprising that he got convicted. However, he admitted that that night, somewhere between 10 and 2 in the morning or, or something like that, he was in a tree masturbating while looking in Martha Moxley's window. Yes, that was the justification of why his semen would be on her body. Was it on her body? Yeah. Okay, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. I mean, clearly he had pretty good lawyers the first time around oh, if sure. they're coming up with shit like that. It's just... I know this is insane bias because I've seen this, yeah. like, so many versions of this yeah. story. But it's... But I've decided. I've decided. But, yeah. I mean, it's no. because of things like that. Well, the problem with it is is that there's other there's other strong suspects, you know? Like the... Um, the brother. The brother who was making out with her that evening, which is why maybe... Michael got jealous and killed her or did she catch him jerking off? Like, how did she come out there? Do you suppose? Well, I don't think, I think she was out because it was mischief night, right? Was it the night before Halloween or Halloween? It was, uh, yeah. Sorry. I no, you're so the night before Halloween. Yeah. Mischief night, which I didn't know was a thing. I know it's not a thing out here. I think it's, it might be for exclusively for rich yeah. white people in Greenwich. It's also in Detroit, which is terrifying. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Slightly think, different tone of that mischief yeah, night. Every perhaps. night is mischief night in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I've never heard of mischief night, mischief night until I heard this story. Yeah. Me too. So, yeah. So like I, the most obvious answer is usually the correct answer. Yeah. And him jerking off in a tree and not being the killer is not the obvious answer. That's right. Well, and also just then, why weren't there other people? Even, you know, like, it just didn't seem like there was other people brought forward. Because this is one of, not just a safe town or whatever. It's like an exclusive shut-off city. Yeah, but here's the thing is, there, uh, the Skakels had a, um, had a tutor named um john let's see where they right john something foreign ken (laughs) ken littleton oh okay so he was the tutor and they were like this guy's sketchy and so he was a suspect for a long time too why was he sketchy do you remember ah because maybe he had a hard on for martha moxley oh okay but he says he never even met her There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye
Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, but then so recently, Kobe Bryant, here's another like relative, Kobe Bryant's cousin. His name is Tony Bryant. Okay. Like why there, there needs to be, you know, connections to family members that are famous, I don't know, says that he knows who killed Martha Moxley. He's from this town. Oh. And he came out recently and said, I know who actually did it. And it wasn't Michael Skagel. No. Um, he says it was two of his friends who lived in, um, where did they live? The Bronx, I believe. Yeah. Two friends visiting him from the Bronx. They went to Moxley's neighborhood the night of the murder. And this guy, Bryant, was with them. The two friends reportedly picked up Skagel's golf clubs from Skagel's yard, which is what she was murdered with on a whim and told Bryant they wanted to attack a girl, quote, caveman style, using the clubs. Bryant says he left the neighborhood and learned about the murder later, and the friends told him they committed a crime, but he never said anything. So now he's saying he's coming forward with the story. If the story is true, I call bullshit on him leaving. He was, yes. he was there. People are going to tell you to your face they're going to kill a girl, and you're like, well, I've got to go. Bye. So what kind of person, I mean, I, look, whatever, there's all details. You could run a million scenarios. I just that don't are think like, a teenager would be like, would leave. Even if he was like, I'm not want to murder anyone. I just want to see what happens. Or I don't believe these guys, you know. Well, here, the other thing I remember hearing is that the Skakel's golf clubs, the the set of clubs mm -hmm. were in their attic, that the cops found them later with that one club missing. Mm -hmm. So the idea that they were picking golf clubs out of a right. front yard seems a bit bullshitty. Or did someone stash the golf clubs up there after, after they realized the murder weapon was a golf club or... That could be connected to them. Yeah. Did Michael Skakel do it? Put the golf clubs up there. The dad, the mom. Weren't the dad and the mom gone? They were gone. Like they, they, the dad and mom almost didn't live there. Yeah. They were like teen boys that lived on their own. Rich white teen boys running amok that lived on their own. That sounds terrible. Now, uh, am I wrong to assume that Kobe Bryant's cousin is black and that the kids coming in from whatever 
but did you say Brooklyn or the Bronx? The Bronx. Coming in from the Bronx yeah. were black? That's an assumption we can make. I would I would think that the Greenwich, Connecticut cops yeah. would see three black kids yeah. walking around on mischief night yeah. and at least ask a question. Totally. If not harass the fuck out of yeah. them. And then how did Michael Skagel's semen have to go back and get on this poor girl? This poor girl and her poor family. Every interview, like her family is like die hard. Like we never did anything else with our lives, but try to get justice. Yeah. It's fucking heartbreaking for this poor family. There's, I remember, I, I remember seeing this story way early in a, it wasn't forensic files, but it was like one of those ones. And they interviewed the mom. Oh, and she's, she seemed like a thousand miles away. Yeah. It, it, I remember watching it and just going, Oh, I never want to see any, mo- any murder victims, mom speak nope. again, because that's the most painful thing. You know what hurts me? The brothers, brothers of the murder victims always bum me out. <sighs> Cause they're like, I should have been there to help my little sister. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Well, also, I don't like the idea that so he has served, is it 30 years in prison or 20? No, he didn't get arrested until 2002. Oh, so this is crazy, like white people justice, where it's a rich guy who basically kind of did a symbolic time. And now they're faking out some black people to say, hey, maybe we did it. And then his thing goes away. Probably. He got, he didn't, Michael Skigel didn't get arrested until and and convicted for 27 years he was free that was this this so this whole thing happened i think it was 2002 so i remember having watched the whole story of the murder and then like that happened it was insane i never thought he would get anyone would get arrested for it and now he's fucking out again so he spent he sent spent a couple years i just think that the logic of oh wait so 2000 he was arrested and then yeah now he's out. Yeah, the logic of... Oh, just the logic of um, a very rich teen boy mm-hmm. who gets spurned and maybe even shamed like his older brother who ruins his life in every other way mm-hmm. gets the girl that he likes. Him having this huge, crazy emotional reaction in the moment that he maybe hugely regrets even. Yeah. But that... Uh, and maybe even a girl that he was obsessed with yeah. that sparking murderous ramp, a murderous rampage makes way more sense than just a teen going, I'm going to kill a girl tonight. Caveman style. Yeah. Like you, the, you have to be a very specific type yeah. of person to be able to do that in the first place. It's not, it's not like going, I'm going to sniff glue. And then there were two, two other kids at Michael Skakel's boarding school later who said, yeah, he admitted to it. Yeah. So these kids from the Bronx would have probably gone back and bragged about it. And there would have been more people saying that they did it and not Kobe Bryant's cousin. Yeah. But I just hate that idea that, I mean, it, it most black people have a hard time driving around Los Angeles, California. <laughs> yeah. You're going to roll up into Greenwich, Connecticut yeah. and just be like, let's see what we can do murder wise. Yeah, like wander around with clubs. I don't think so. No. Yeah, you're right. And I just don't understand why this guy who has a family, Kobe Bryant's cousin would want to do that. But there's fucking narcissistic people who want attention all the time. Or maybe he really believes it. Maybe he believes it. And maybe he doesn't. He's remembering incorrectly. He really believes that's what happened. I here's what I will say. I love the idea that we still get to talk about the Martha Moxley murder, that there's something still happening with yeah. it. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. So no one's in in prison for her murder still. No. <laughs> did 
I, w- I want Michael Skagel not to have done it. Like, I want there to be a different answer, but I don't think there is. I just think that, I think that the thing it comes down to with me with a lot of these stories is my irritation over the fact that people accept, um, kind of like, a, like if you're a white guy wearing a button down yeah. Oxford shirt, you can kind of do whatever the fuck totally. you want. And people will be like, Oh no, that nice boy down the street. Yeah. Like you can, you get to hide in plain sight with this camouflage and meanwhile be, whatever and people will not believe it yeah they'll immediately believe three black right. kids driving up from the bronx right. to kill this one girl it's just such a bummer because i think what i don't want him to be guilty is because he is such a fucking loser and such a little twerp <laughs> that he doesn't deserve i want it to be more sensational because she deserves to not have just been killed by this little jerking off little shit face yeah who is jealous of a thing that's a that's like a friend zone murder that's what that is yeah or like you want to fuck my brother and not me i'm jealous yeah yeah and there it is another absolutely bone chilling riveting story from georgia and karen the my favorite murder ladies murderinos it has been an absolute pleasure to be here today uh if you want to listen to the bananas podcast if you need a break of uh from torture from people being thrown off of bridges or buried in gardens, come on over to the Bananas Podcast. I host it with a great comedian and one of my very, very best friends of the world, Kurt Brownoller. We're on Exactly Right. We're on Stitcher. You can really enjoy us and maybe laugh a little if, if things are, are coming in on you and you feel like, wow, this world is a really awful place. We'll say, hey, you know what? It is an awful place, but it's also really silly and it's really absurd and you got to laugh at it or you'll go absolutely crazy. So thanks so much for listening. This has been Scotty Landis for My Favorite Murder. Stay sexy. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited I get to say this. I've never been sexy and I still haven't been murdered. So this is a really big deal. I'm halfway there. Stay sexy and don't get murdered. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs>